0: Well, remember, it's twice a year that the church makes me wear pink. But if you can recall, this past Advent, the third Sunday of Advent, there was that other sign that, that I had to wear pink. And Deacon got out of it. He was just wearing, you know, a purple stole. So I said, after he was making fun of me, I said, I gotta, I'm going to lay down some cash and buy him a delmatic, so he's got to wear it as well. Okay. Well, this color is not pink; it's rose, and uh, the the color signifies rejoicing, just like back in Advent. So also in Lent, we have a kind of a, as it were, a little break. We're taking a little break from the austerity of penance, and we're rejoicing in anticipation, as a kind of a sneak preview of what we're getting ready for on Easter Sunday. Okay, so it's a little bit of Easter come. Come close, so we can hear a little more music, a little bit of flowers, so you don't go overboard now, but just a little bit, you know, it's like a little uh, foretaste, okay. Also today, we're celebrating the second scrutiny for our catechumen, Chelsea, and uh, as she's preparing for baptism. So today, we're using these readings from the year A, which are, are pertinent or relevant to baptism. So I'm going to talk about baptism today again. I'm also going to talk about the sacrament of reconciliation as well, because we've got the Diocesan Day of Mercy coming up this Wednesday, and there'll be extended uh, confessional hours here. We're going to have a priest come in from the outside, uh, and we'll be hearing confessions for, for seven hours. Confessionals will be open for a long time for us uh, this Wednesday. So if we look at our Gospel text, it actually has to do with baptism. How so? Well, it's a little bit subtle. You haven't got to read behind the text, but it's there. First of all, we notice that the blind man, he goes to the pool of Siloam and he washes. And that's how he regains his sight. It's through the medium of water. Christ works this miracle through water. And in fact, the word baptism is a Greek word, actually. And it it basically means washing. It it means immersion, but it means immersion for the purpose of washing. So we've got this already a a hint that we're talking about baptism or that we're, we're dealing with baptism here. Also, In the ancient church, in the apostolic church, baptism was known as, and this is interesting, illumination. Illumination, and it was associated with light. Um, Why? Well, I think two reasons here. There is this very tight cluster of ideas connected with, first of all, Jesus' resurrection, baptism, Jesus' resurrection, and the creation, the creation of the world. Jesus' resurrection as a recreation, as it were, and baptism as an entrance into that recreation of Christ's resurrection. And in fact, underlying our gospel story is the book of Genesis. So this is what I mean. In the longer version of the gospel, we didn't didn't read that one because it was quite quite lengthy, because we read the shorter version, but in the longer version, Jesus says this to his disciples. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, and this is what we heard in our, our reading. He spat on the ground and made clay with saliva. Now that immediately brings up all the images of the book of Genesis, the first few chapters of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. The spirit hovered over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. The first creative act of God was the creation of light. God saw the light, that it was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. The light he called day, the darkness called night. And the, the days of creation are referred to metaphorically as God's work. So we see all of those ideas of what Jesus is doing here. And there's this whole accusation that Jesus is a Sabbath breaker, so there's this idea of work and Sabbath, again bringing us back to the, the creation week in Genesis chapter 1 and then also, what about the clay that Jesus makes from the ground we go to Genesis chapter 3 we've got this kind of image of the first man being made by God as it were like a potter who's creating this guy out of clay and then breathing into him the breath of life So also Jesus takes the dirt and he mixes it with his uh, saliva. Now, it's interesting, saliva, this is something, uh, a very modern thing, but I think it ties in with our our gospel text. You know, today, uh, the big fad is to take a DNA test in connection with your genealogy. And when you do that, uh, with like Ancestry.com or whatever, you actually give them your saliva. That's what you give them. Can you imagine that? Something so base... And maybe kind of, uh, I don't know, undignified actually contains your genetic essence. So it is as it were, Jesus is, is, is mixing his spirit with this dirt, and he's creating, okay? And then that's where this miracle takes place. Now, also, baptism... It's referred to as, illum- as illumination, not only because it's connected with the creation story and the light and the resurrection of and light that's associated with the resurrection of Christ, but also and especially because baptism is a means by which the person being baptized receives faith, receives faith. It's, it's kind of uh, paradoxical because someone might think, and there's some truth to this of course, that faith is actually what brings you to the sacrament of baptism, which it, it, it prepares you for it. and again, is a way of saying that that's true. But the more important reality is that baptism actually is a conduit through which God gives to us faith. It's actually a means by which God opens our eyes so that we can see the world with the eyes of faith. And, in fact, in the baptismal rite for infants, there's a part that the, the parents come before the priest, and the priest says to the parents, what, what do you want from the church? Now, there's one or two responses that they can choose from. They can say, we want baptism. They can say that, but the alternative request that they can make is faith. We want faith. Very interesting. So it's baptism that actually imparts faith, and thereby our eyes are opened, and we can see the world through the lens of faith. My brothers and sisters, it's so important to live our lives with eyes of faith. To let go of the blindness of sin. And to see the world new through faith. The person who looks at the world through the eyes of faith sees things very, very differently. Okay, Um, He is able to view things from God's perspective. And he's able to take the limited temporal realities of his earthly experience and put them in context, the context of eternity. Boy, everything looks different when you view things from the perspective of eternity. Uh, the person who doesn't have the eyes of faith, everything becomes reduced to me and mine, you versus us. Um, uh, there's a lot of egoism, pride, greed, and this is how we calculate, how we judge, how we uh, estimate Others and how we how we build our emotional life is just through these kind of earthly sort of calculations. What's in it for me and and mine? But from the perspective of faith, you see everything in its true light, and you're able to kind of relativize everything in a healthy manner. And uh, that insult the person gave you, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal, okay? Um, Guy, he sold you a lemon. Well, you know, you go and talk to him and say, hey you know, what'd you do here? You sold me a lemon. Okay, but, you know, if he refuses to, to make good on the bad deal, he, he broke with you, and uh, there's no other recourse that you can get, you know, you can let it go. You can forgive him, and you can relate to him in a, in a charitable and Christian manner and not have a kind of a prejudice and bias. You could say, you know, I feel bad for him, that he's that attached to this car that he'd have to do something dishonest and to unload it from himself. Okay. So you can see things in their, in their proper perspective. And you're not going to become attached to the things of, of the world. But you're going to be able to sail straight through to heaven, which is our destination. That's what the eyes of faith enable us to do. And unless we have those eyes, we're like the man in the story here. We're blind. We're blind. Now, another image that comes to my mind is, is uh, what it has to do with lights is this. In the ancient um, Jewish religion, in the days of Jesus, and still until this day, for for observing Orthodox Jews, what they do to get ready for the Passover is they remove all leaven out of their house. Okay, so leaven is the stuff that makes the bread rise, right? But in the Bible, it's a symbol of corruption and sin. And so, what the, what the Jewish Jews do is they go and they remove all the leaven from their house. And in fact, they, to do that, they, they use this passage from the Bible. It's very interesting. It's in Zephaniah, an Old Testament prophet. And he says this. God says to the prophet, I'm going to go and I'm going to search Jerusalem with lamps. So there's this light that God is going to come. He's going to go through Jerusalem with lamps. Searching out and uncovering the darkness and scattering the darkness. And so what the Jews do is kind of cool. They literally, it's just a symbolic ritual, they take a lamp... And they go through all the dark places of their kitchen, alright, they open up the cupboards, and they put the lamp into all the crevices and the corners, the dusty corners, and they see if they can find any leaven. And if they find some, they get, they get rid of it. Okay, so that's the way that they prepare for the Passover. This really is relevant to us here. Now we're going to transition from talking about baptism to the sacrament of reconciliation. Okay, so in, in the preparation for the joyful season of Easter, uh, it's great to be able to celebrate, and we're encouraged to celebrate the sacrament of reconciliation. We've got a great opportunity coming up on Wednesday, and this is a way that we take lamps and we search the, the dark crevices of our of our hearts, and we you know we find the corners and the dust and the leaven and the corruption there, and we get it cleaned out. We get ourselves ready for Easter. Our second reading is is really beautiful in this regard. St. Paul says, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Okay, so through baptism, we've been illuminated. And so, therefore, he says, Live as children of light. For light produces every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth. Try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the fruitless works of darkness. Rather, expose them. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible. That's what we do in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. We're, we're coming before God and we're letting the light expose those dark places, and thereby we're becoming illuminated, perfectly illuminated. So we're reviving the light of baptism through the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Now, after we're baptized, so for example, our catechumen, on the, the day of our baptism, which will be the Easter Vigil, She's going to be filled entirely with light. Now, after you're baptized, that light can be diminished on the one hand, or it can actually be turned off completely, snuffed out totally, all right? And through two different kinds of sins, the, the kind of the classic distinction of sins, you got venial sin on the one hand, and you've got mortal sin on the other Okay, so venial sin, it's like it dims the light of baptism. Mortal sin completely shuts it off. All right. So whether you have on your in your conscience uh, venial sin or mortal sin, the sacrament of reconciliation is a way to intensify the, the light that might be there, or to relight it if it had been shut off or snuffed out. Okay. And you'll find in your bulletins uh, an examination of conscience that I put together on the basis of a a particular author and uh, some other sources, and I, I hope you might be able to find it helpful. And it's kind of a unique examination of conscience because it highlights only mortal sin. Okay, so it kind of it helps you kind of get a grasp of which, whatever you know, according to our tradition, what's considered serious sin, and then from there you can kind of infer maybe other. because I can't list all serious sins, but it lists a pretty good amount. And from there you can kind of infer what the nature of serious sin is and then maybe what might be considered a venial sin. So it helps us grow in the formation of our conscience. As we prepare for the joyful season of Easter, I, I was had a great opportunity yesterday to celebrate the Sacrament of Reconciliation. I go to Auburn. My confessor's in Auburn. So I got my, my heart and my soul cleared out and, and ready to celebrate Easter. And I'd encourage us all to do the same uh, as well this Wednesday. We've got Father Tony Amato, a friend of mine, who's coming from Ouigo. I'm going to go to Uwego, so we switch places. And uh, he's going to be in the confessional for seven hours, so take advantage of it. Um, Your your joyful celebration of Easter will only be made all that much more joyful uh, if we go with lamps and we search out the darkness uh, and we let the lights of our baptism shine forth. So right now, what we'll do is we'll...